Good morning, everyone. Uh, uh, my name is Fred Schwamm, Jr., um, and uh, so glad to be here this Sunday morning. Um, my wife, Doreen, as I, kn I know so many of you as, as friends over the years, and uh, family, of course, and I've been here since uh, the day after Labor Day. I flew out from the left coast and, uh, you know, came out here to help with my mom and um, Millie. She gives her love and her regards to, to you all. Um, so thankful for uh, my sister Peg and Tom for their help with Millie. And so I'm here to give them a little bit of a break and just help out at, at home and so forth. So, um, yeah, glad to be here. Uh, I'm going to get set up with my notes. Uh, by the way, thank you, uh, Matthew, for reading Matthew 10. Uh, <clears throat> probably one of my favorite verses in Scripture is Matthew 10.9, that Christ is the door, that uh, He's the door, He's the gate, that the one who enters uh, through Him, through the gate or through the door, enters into uh, salvation, into eternal life, and we can come and go and find pasture. So um, I appreciate that section of Scripture. Ch chapter 10 is probably one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture. <sighs> Give me a second to get to my notes as we were uh, opening up in worship this morning. I was looking at these fans <laughs> because uh, a couple of months ago I was at a, a graveside uh, graves, yeah, graveside, and I was doing a eulogy, and it was outside and windy, and twice my notes blew away from me. So um, I made sure my notes are anchored down, and uh, we we should be okay. <laughs> should be okay. Uh, either that, or I'd look for something heavy around here to put on. But I think we're okay. Um, yeah. So the title of this morning's message is uh, keeping it real, keeping it real. Uh, you know, um, several years ago, I was at a church on Long Island, and um, the past, uh, pastor had finished the message. The worship leader got up to, uh, just before he was going to close in prayer, <laughs> and I remember him saying, um, if you think the Christian life is a cakewalk, or, or a bed of roses, you're nuts. <laughs> and and um, I thought, well, thank you. I am back in New York. <laughs> I can, you know, and just, um, yeah, bottom line is Christian life is not easy. There are struggles, but the Lord is faithful. And uh, the reason I chose that title is the, the message I'm going to speak this morning is from the eighth chapter of the book of Acts. So if you uh, have your Bibles or a pew Bible, uh, turn to the 8th chapter in, uh, in the book of Acts. Uh, we're we're going to be looking at the passage in particular of Philip and uh, the Ethiopian. Uh, he was a, a financial advisor, a financial um, uh, director, marketer, I guess, uh, the eunuch. 
And um, so this morning, we're going to specifically, let me turn to Acts 8, we're going to specifically look at verses um, 26 through 40. But if you're in the 8th chapter of Acts, I'm going to start, if you just look at the beginning of the chapter, uh, as, as we look at the text, uh, the book of Acts, of course, course is um, it starts out with just after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's his ascension back into heaven, and uh, the disciples are still here to uh, remain here on earth and be a witness for Christ. And um, in Acts chapter two, you have the birth of the New Testament church on the day of Pentecost. And, um, you know, fire comes down, the Spirit of God comes down among that group of people that were there. And you have uh, what some have called the birthday of the New Testament church. And after that time, the birth of the church, you have um, the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ spreading to uh, people being saved and and in large numbers, people are turning to the Lord and and believing in Christ. And uh, it's an exciting time in the birth of the church. Um, So in chapter 8, I'll pick it up just at verse verse 1 and down to maybe verse 7 before we jump over to uh, verse 26 through 40. So in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, oh, by the way, I'm reading from the NIV, so um, just stay along. You're in the right chapter. It might just sound a little different. Uh, Starting with verse 1, Acts 8. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. Uh, This was following the uh, slaying of, um, in in chapter 7 of Stephen, Uh, He was put to death uh, as one of the first Christian martyrs. So on that day, great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except these apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen, and they mourned deeply for him. Uh, But Paul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. And here were... uh, We'll pick up about Philip. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So the church is dispersed. There's persecution. Uh, Philip is one of those who's... um, uh, Philip, it says, went down to to a city. Uh, We're not told the city, but a city in Samaria, and it proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shriek, for with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many. Many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. And um, uh, then in verse 25, it says, After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord, testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Um, so now, if you turn over our main text, is going to be gives you a little bit of context about what I'll share this morning from Acts 20, uh, 8, 26, down to verse 40. Now it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. 
So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of, of, of the Candake, um, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone down to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. <clears throat> this is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? Uh, there's a little break there, which we'll mention a little later. Then verse 38, And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his, he went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azadus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. Um, so what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to speak a little bit about Philip, a little bit about the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, the gospel encounter between Philip and this uh, uh, Ethiopian, and our response and application. So I'm going to move along uh, fairly quickly, and um, I'm going to start out by speaking about Philip. Now, this Philip in Acts 8 is Philip the Evangelist. Evangelist very simply means a messenger from God proclaiming the good news about Jesus Christ. And uh, not to be confused with Philip the Apostle. Okay? So there are two different Philips. We're looking at Philip the Evangelist. Uh, Philip the Evangelist, Philip is actually mentioned, this particular Philip is mentioned later in the book of Acts in Acts 21. When Paul comes to visit him, uh, this Philip has uh, four unmarried daughters who are prophetesses, and um, uh, he came to stay at Philip's house. Paul came to stay at Philip's house later on in the book. Uh, Philip is mentioned in Acts chapter 6, a couple chapters back, when the uh, Hellenistic widows complained about the distribution of food at the tables uh, with the Hebraic widows. And at that point, Philip was one of a group of seven men who was chosen because he was filled with the Spirit and wisdom. Uh, so that, that's what we're told about Philip. As I mentioned in Acts uh, 4 through 7, so Philip was in a city in Samaria. He's preaching there, and people are coming to faith in Christ, and um, God's at work. 
many are coming to Christ there. But now, God calls Philip from a community to go to a single person. One person He wants him to share with. And, um, uh, and you know, He tells him to go from, uh, to head south from, uh, from Jerusalem to Gaza. It's about a 500 mile journey. It was also a dangerous route. And one thing I just want you to keep in mind is that, so here Philip is leaving a prosperous area of ministry in a community in Samaria. People are believing in Christ. There's growth there. And now he calls them to go to just speak to one person in the desert. In the desert. Take this dangerous route. And I just would ask you all is, are you open to what God wants to do in your future? Okay, this, this God said in His future, okay, I'm taking you from this area, what you're doing in this city, and now I want you to focus on a particular person. Uh, so for any of us, all of us, just think, are you open to God's leading in your future? Uh, Doreen and I, I retired the end of July. Doreen will probably retire by the end of uh, mid-November. And, you know, again, we're seeking, uh, we're, not, we're not young spring chickens anymore, but we're still seeking God's leading. Like, what would be the next step for us? What does God want to show us for the future? So, no matter what age you're at, just ask yourself, okay, God, do I entrust you with my future? What is, none of us knows what the future holds. What is it that you want to do with my future? And as we see, Philip is obedient. He, uh, he takes this dangerous route uh, from Jerusalem down to Gaza. Gaza was uh, one of five Philistia cities, but he does what God wants him to do. He goes there. And um, we'll speak briefly about the person he encounters, the person he meets there. Uh, by God's providence, this is uh, an Ethiopian. Now, when we think of an Ethiopian um, in this uh, con- in this uh, portion of Scripture, it, it really is speaking about the people. There were people group the Cushites, the people of the, from the land of Cush, which was really it, it really is not modern day Ethiopia, but it was the land of um, uh, southern. Uh, Northern Africa, Northern Africa, the Sudan. And um, this gentleman was most likely um, dark-skinned. He was a financial manager. So he was well-trained. He was intelligent. Um, The Bible tells us that he was most likely a seeker. It says that he went there to worship uh, God. He went there to worship God. Where does it say that in verse 27? This man went to Jerusalem to perp- uh, to worship. Now, uh, there was two two problems with that, or almost like two strikes this man had against him. One, he was a Gentile or an outsider, and um, uh, Deuteronomy 23:1 said that no one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting, may enter the assembly of the Lord. 
So basically, he's, he's not allowed into the assembly of, of the Lord um, uh, based on you know, Deuteronomy 23.1. Now the other interesting issue, well, a couple of things about this gentleman. One, this, um, this financial manager um, could have been familiar possibly with some Old Testament promises that said, the the people the Cushites would someday bring gifts to the Lord at Mount Zion. Uh, there's a reference in um, the book of Isaiah 11, and it says in verse 10 and 11, "In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will testify. Will the nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious." And then in verse 11, uh, Isaiah 11, 11 says, In that day the Lord will reach out His hand a second time to reclaim their surviving, surviving remnant of His people from Assyria, Lower and Upper Egypt, and from Cush. So there was an Old Testament promise that someday the people of Cush would honor the Lord. They would be part of the people of God. And um, also in Isaiah 18.7, it says, Ethiopians would bring gifts of homage to Mount Zion. That promise was, was there in the Old Testament Scriptures. It is possible that he um, had come across that even before this uh, trip that he made to Jerusalem. Um, in Isaiah 18.7, it says, At that time, gifts will be brought to the Lord Almighty from a tall and smooth-skinned um, from a people uh, feared uh, um, and with an aggressive nation of strange speech <clears throat> whose land is divided by rivers, the gifts will be brought to Mount Zion, the place of the name of the Lord Almighty. So again, there was a promise in Scripture that the Cushites, the people of Sudan, uh, the people of northern Africa would, would someday be part of the people of God. Um, and, and as we think of this particular man, we'll look at the Gospel encounter in a minute, but just keep in mind that <clears throat> no one is excluded from the Gospel's reach. Um, you know, all of us encounter people in our lives, could be a family member, could be a friend, could be just an acquaintance, but we think, no way. <laughs> no way. You know, and or we just think, how could they ever come to embrace Christ as their Savior and Lord? And yet, we have to think of how we came to Christ as well. So, bear in mind, when you think of this Ethiopian um, and the future, of prom the future promise of blessing to his people group, um, that no one, is no one is excluded from the Gospel's reach. Anyone and is um, God is able to save anyone to uh, bring them to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Now, as we look at the encounter itself, uh, we we can look at that, pick that up in verse, uh, I guess verse. Well, he saw the man sitting in his chariot. That's in verse twenty-seven. Uh, well, the man had gone to Jerusalem to worship on his way home. Um, he's sitting in his chariot and he's 
reading the book of Isaiah the prophet, uh, someone I had read that someone had mentioned it's possible when he was in Jerusalem. Again, like I said, he wasn't allowed to go into the assembly of, of believers there, but it's possible he could have bought a, uh, a, a scroll of Isaiah while he was in Jerusalem. Uh, the, that would have been rather costly. So this is a man probably who had a significant amount of money or wealth that he was able to do that. But here he is sitting in his chariot and um, reading the book of Isaiah. Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. In those days, it's quite possible that um, people read aloud. So it's not uncommon that uh, you know, Philip overheard him reading um, and went to him. Um, just keep in mind, you know, as we read this, God works in different ways. This is not telling us that the next time you go to Starbucks, you know, and you say, okay, the first person who orders a caramel latte, I'm going to share Christ with them. You know, that is not what this text is saying. But, but God had directly him to go to this particular person. And, and I think that's important as we think about staying, sticking with a particular person in sharing the gospel or in wanting to share the gospel. Uh, and so he does. He hears, uh, Philip hears him reading. Uh, Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading the, the Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. And uh, he says, well, how can I unless someone explains it to me? And um, Philip goes up, sits with him. And we'll get, we'll get to the, the passage here that he's looking at from Isaiah. This is a quote from Isaiah 53, I think verses 7 and 8. Um, so, yeah, so Philip is reading, uh, the eunuch is reading this text, and, um, you know, he's, he's asking, well, who is, who is this text about? Now, let me just comment. He's reading the Scriptures. He's wanting someone to explain the Scriptures to him. And um, I, I can't say enough that you and I can, at least if nothing else, sometimes if you don't know the words to say, you and I can encourage people to read the Scriptures. Okay? Because it's only in the Scriptures that, that, that that's where Christ is going to be revealed. God is going to reveal who Jesus Christ really is as the Son of God, as the Messiah, as our Savior in the Scriptures. Um, I have a friend that I'll be meeting when I go back to California. His name is Larry Chaps, for, short for Chaplin. And uh, he, he told me when he was 11 or 12, you know, really dysfunctional family, left home, um, ran away with his brother to stay with friends or whatever. At age 15, he went in a deli to buy a pack of cigarettes. The, either the, the, uh, the clerk felt he was too young or, or wouldn't sell it to him. So he assaulted the clerk. The clerk needed plastic surgery to get healed. Well, in his um, 20s or early 30s, he came to, uh, he, his brother came to faith in Jesus Christ. 
and um, his brother gave him a copy of the scriptures to read. And I remember Larry telling me, he said, as a child, I had never once in my life opened, you know, or read, read the scriptures. And the first Bible he had, honest, if you held it up like this, it was like threadbare here. There was, there was no binding, you know, left. Because he just, when he started to open the scriptures and he came to faith and understanding, an acknowledgement of faith in Jesus Christ. It says he could not put this book down. So, just again, the importance of inviting others at least take examine the Scriptures. See what the evidence says about what does God say about who Jesus Christ's Son is. If you want to know what God is like, look to His Son, Jesus Christ. Uh... And you know the the truth about Christ in this eunuch wasn't automatically or already in him. That's why he's asking, "Who is this prophet? Who is this?" It wasn't there, uh, and that was part of Philip's job to just explain to him a little bit about who Jesus was. We don't. We're not even told how long this chariot ride was. You know, was it a couple of hours? Was it? Uh, you know, we we just don't know. You know, how much time there was. Um, and also, I would assume that the, the gentleman who is driving the chariot heard this entire conversation as well. Um, and it might have been even beyond the scope of these couple of verses that are quoted here from Isaiah 53. Uh, looking at them quickly, it says, This is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And, um, uh, you know, basically it's speaking about the Lamb of God who would come as a substitutionary sacrifice for our sins and for our sin and condemnation. He's pointing this man to Jesus Christ. And that's really our job to be part of that process of pointing people through the Scriptures to Jesus Christ. Um, so we won't look at it here. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 speaks of how Satan has blinded the, the hearts, the minds of people, uh, souls to the, uh, the light of the gospel of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, that's what he does to sin darkened hearts. He blinds them so they, they do not see or appreciate or acknowledge the glory of God revealed in Jesus Christ. One thing I heard about the gospel, which I never forget, is that the gospel, if that is true of what Satan is doing in darkening and, and blinding people to the light of the glory of God in the gospel, then the gospel, in the gospel, there must be something there to see. There must be something there to see. And what is there to see is the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So it's there, but people just can't see it. And uh, that, that's the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, the miracle of the new birth, um, conversion, all of that. Um, you know, Scripture says, 
faith, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ, hearing the message, um, uh, and then through the message, it's the word about Christ. That's what saves people. Um, very quickly, in the passage then, they come to water. Uh, the uh, eunuch says, well, what's to prevent me from being baptized? And he is baptized. Um, uh, it, you know, a few comments just about baptism. It's like, okay, this man has, has he's saying, okay, he's, he believes. Well, the next step should be then your public confession of that before others. Um, one, one author says that baptism is the Rubicon step of commitment. It's like, you know, once you cross the Rubicon, it's like you're not going back. There's no turning back. That's your commitment now is you're identifying yourself with Jesus Christ. Um, and, uh, you know, or, or like, you know, all in. You're all in. Um, oh, just one quick note is that in verse, verse 36 in your Bible, if you notice, it says, well, he says, what, what can stand in the way of me being baptized? And then verse 37 is omitted. It's not in some of the original texts. Um, but in some manuscripts, in other words, it says, Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may be baptized. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Um, and it's very possible that, in other words, those words were added in later manuscripts because it was, it was part of the, uh, the early church that they saw the importance of a confession of faith that would preclude, that would come before being baptized. So just uh, make that interesting note. Um, um, one last thing I'll just say as, as I get to the application part is that in, in this, uh, you see this gospel encounter with this particular man, this uh, uh, Ethiopian financial manager, um, is that th there is a danger in building your identity on what you achieve. This man had achieved, you know, I mean, life in so many different areas for us is all about achievement. It's all about performance. It's all about looking at your stats or looking at your, you know. And so this guy is coming to Christ and, um, you know, his identity could be all wrapped in works, righteousness. And there's a tremendous pressure on people to, to achieve, uh, you know, built on performance. And yet Christ is saying, I have done it all. You don't... you. You don't have to do anything. Nothing you can do can um, give merit you the righteousness that I alone have to give you. I can give you my righteousness if you put your faith and trust in me in exchange for your sin and your brokenness. Um, and uh, you know, salvation is free, but it will cost you everything. And um, so, just as we as I get to my closing comments here, just a few points of application to mention. Uh, you know, begin to notice others around you who are not like you. Okay? Just think of people God brings in your life 
that are not are unlike you. Um, Dallas Willard is now with the Lord. He was a a a Christian um, philosopher, apologist, and he said the first act of loving is giving attention to people, giving to attention to someone. First act of loving is giving attention to someone, having a conversation, just talking with a person, uh, getting to know them. As we saw Philip with the eunuch, stick with people. He stuck with this particular man. That was the man that God had laid on his heart to see and share the gospel with. Uh, you know, stick with people. Uh, just, you know, are, are we aware of those around us? People, just our neighborhoods. You know, California is probably no different than New York. People come home, put the car in the garage, garage goes down, people go in the house. It's hot, they put their air conditioners on. You don't see them until the next day. You know, that's, that's just way. You know, if you can catch them at their mailbox. But just, are, are, we, are you aware, are we aware of people that are around us? Um, ask questions. Okay? What did, what did Philip, he said, what are you reading? That's not a difficult question, but what are you reading? Um, even in the hospital that I used to work at, I'd, I'd ask people about their belief system, but even what, what are people in interest? Some people really do like to read. They read a lot. What are you reading? Uh, tell me. Let me find out more about you. Um, and again, our, our job is to help others to, to see Christ for who he, who he really is as revealed in his word. I'm going to give you five uh, questions that even you can, as you think of people you know, and just what you could think, Lord, in the future, could I ask this person this question? Um, and the first one is, I'll, I'll read these, I'll mention them maybe twice, just if you want to write them down. Do you know the Lord? Okay? Just... Someone, do you know the Lord? Um, second one is, are you free from the bondage of sin? Um, people are under all kinds of bondage to sin. You might not always see it, but it could be a host of things. Are you free from the bondage of sin? Here's another one. Will you be in heaven forever? Will you? You know, will you be in heaven forever? You know, and uh, here's another one. Are you saved? Are you saved? You know, do you have you experienced God's rescue, God's deliverance by personally trusting in Jesus Christ alone for salvation and forgiveness of sins? Last question Will you be with Christ someday? You know. Will you be with Christ someday? Um, you know, people have a lot of misconceptions about heaven, about hell, about judgment, and it's just a straightforward question just um, to keep in mind. Um, so as we close, again, just be praying about God to bring the lost into your life. You know, pray that the Lord just bring the lost across my path.
I pray that even as you know, I'm here in my brief time here in New York. Finally, we don't know in this in this whole scenario between Philip and the uh, the Ethiopian financial manager. He came to faith in Jesus Christ. Just always bear in mind, we don't know the length of time that this all took place. From the time that um, maybe he first heard the Gospel, many different people that God might have used to bring him within the hearing of the Gospel before he actually committed his life to Christ. Um, conversations that we might have with people that we think are insignificant we think, you know, okay, what, what difference did I make or, or what I said? Um, but again, just Philip, in other words, might have been the final link in the chain that saw this man come to faith in Christ. So again, a call to all of us to be diligent, faithful, uh, to want to see people enter the kingdom of God through faith in his Jesus in, through his son Jesus Christ and um, you know I, I always remember leaving uh, overseas where his son is and uh, this this one believer he'd been a believer there for like 40 years faced a lot of persecution and I remember my last conversation with him he's still living but I think our son has lost contact with him but he said, uh, hey Fred, he said, I hope to see you again. But he said, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in heaven someday. So may we, may we live that we want to see others that we share the truth with um, as co-citizens in heaven with us. Okay. Let me close in prayer. Lord God, we just thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the Gospel of Jesus Christ that is the power of God unto salvation. And um, Lord God, that Your Word will not return void. Uh, Lord, the people will truly and genuinely trust in You as, for salvation. And Lord, just help us be patient with those who don't feel the need for You, who feel they can do this on their own. Lord, just extend Your mercy and grace. Thank You for everyone here. Help us to be faithful witnesses for You wherever we may be. Uh, Lord God, bless this church and even uh, in their meeting after it. And uh, may Your name be glorified in all things. In Christ's name, Amen.